you have this montage where everyone's eating pizza in everyday life. You assume it's because, oh, the Ninja Turtles are popular and it's made pizza really popular. But the weird thing is, if you've ever been to New York City, there's pizza places every other block where there's food carts selling pizza every other block. Like, pizza's already popular in Manhattan. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called movies. Boobies. It's The Sequel Cast. Oh yeah, The Sequel Cast. It's The Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com Hello and welcome to The Sequel Cast. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. Uh, the Sequel Cast is a show where every week we look at a different movie in a franchise, one movie at a time. We're in the middle of looking at the Ninja Turtles movie, and uh, this episode we are looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which uh, was released in 1991. With me is special guest uh, Mark from TMNT Entity. Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, not too much. Um, now, I was looking at your site. You really have a lot on there about the the different comics they've done over the years. Was that your main inspiration for doing the uh, your site, TMNT Entity, at the start? Or oh, yeah, when I, when I started, I was just doing a review of the old Archie comic, TMNT Adventures by Dean Clarane. But uh, I decided to branch out and do Mirage and Image, and then after about two years, I just have a little bit of everything on there now. It's really amazing when you look back uh, how many different comics they did over the years, whether it was like a newspaper strip or the oh, yeah, right. uh, or the Archie stuff in the Mirage. And then um, who knows what's going to happen now that Viacom has all the rights to Ninja Turtles, but they got the new series coming out. So you'd think they'd come out with some kind of comic book around that time. But Yeah, that's what everyone's suspecting. They're presuming they're going to do a, probably a tie-in comic for the cartoon. Uh, they're going to license it out most likely to someone like IDW or Dark Horse. So really anything goes right now. Yeah, maybe you'll see uh, Ninja Turtles versus Aliens or something if it goes to Dark Horse. Um, yeah, right. Oh, well, I could get some more soggy uh, Jimbo crossovers. That could be a good thing. Definitely. Um, so when was the first time you were aware of the Ninja Turtles? You know, it goes back so far. It's almost like I was born with knowledge of them. I was playing with them when I was about four or five years <laughs> old, and that's about as far back as my memory goes. But, uh... I did watch the uh, the old Fred Wolf cartoon, the uh, the old one. Yeah. Uh, about every every morning, every day after school, it was uh, it was uh, on USA Cartoon Express in the mornings on weekdays. I used to watch it before school too. It's hard to miss it. <laughs> yeah, that really was a, a show that they did so many episodes of, and I'm pretty impressed they've released um, at least the first seven seasons of that on DVD. Yeah, they're actually up through uh, season eight. Are they in season eight now? Okay. And they've released most of the newer show from 2002, I think. Oh, yeah, they released everything but the last season, Back to the Sewers. That one's still uh, in limbo right now. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I covered this a little bit on the last episode about the first Ninja Turtles, but I was really aware of it first through the uh, Ninja Turtles arcade game, the first one, where it was four players. And, uh, oh, yeah. had the art style of the, uh, the old cartoon, and... Um, and I, I literally only was aware of like two episodes of Ninja Turtles for like years and years and years. So, um, oh, yeah. videotapes from blockbusters or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, back then, it's not like now with DVD where almost everything is on uh, DVD you can watch. They didn't have a lot of TV shows at the time on videotape. Uh, no. Or if they did, it was like one episode or two episodes. Yeah, like twenty nine ninety nine for one episode on a oh, yeah. Max cassette or something. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, unless it was Star Trek or something, that might have been more comprehensive. But uh, you had to go nah. with what you had or record, you know, six hours worth of stuff on a SLP videotape. Oh, yeah, the old ones only had 120 minutes on them. You yep. only get a few episodes or one movie, maybe. And you, you you time it to record a show when it cuts off the last five minutes of the show because it's all commercials. Oh, yeah. And back then, uh, the uh, blank tapes cost like 30 bucks or some even before that, like 60 bucks. So if you wanted to tape something off TV, it had to be good. So Ninja sure. Turtles didn't make the cut for that. <laughs> No, and, um, you know, with videotape, every time you watch a videotape, the picture quality would get worse and worse. It's like a film in that regard. And with a DVD, oh, yeah, it should look the same every time you're watching it, as long as you're taking care of the, uh, yeah, the disc itself it, right? until you scratch it. Or I don't know if, you're, if your dog puts it in its mouth or something. They're very easy to scratch up. But uh, So from what I've researched about the new Ninja Turtles animated series, I'm trying to think. Have they released anything more than the um, 30 second teaser that just kind of shows a little bit of the art style? I know they haven't uh, released any new footage of it, though. Um, it's coming out in 2012. So 2012. Be on Nicktoons. Okay. But uh, they have released a couple uh, bits of information. They're being real hush hush about it. It's kind of Nicktoons' big, uh, big production they're doing right now. But they've uh, invested a lot of money into it, something like $60 million, something mm. crazy. And. Uh, they released a few voice actor names, a few of them I recognize. Uh, Rob Paulson, who voiced Raphael in the original oh, yeah. 1980s cartoon. Uh, he's going to be voicing Donatello in this one, huh? Uh, which has a lot of uh, fangirls excited about it. And uh, the big thing that has, you know, the internet raging is that they've changed Michelangelo's weapon. <laughs> it's going to be a Kusari Gama, which is kind of like a nunchuck. It's a chain, but it's got uh, blades on one end. So we'll see if uh, he dices anybody up, but I doubt it. So it's a chain with blades on either end, but no no handles or anything? Um, it's got handles, yeah. It's, um, it's a weighted chain, and it's got a handle with a, uh, it's kind of like a knife sight sort of thing at one end. I see. Uh, people are okay. still kind of getting crazy. <laughs> Apparently uh, Don's also going to have a, uh, a knife at the end of his staff, so. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to be that violent. They're probably going to be fighting a lot of robots. Sure, yeah. I mean, the violence is something we'll get into when we talk about this uh, movie, Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, God, I'm trying to... A few years ago, I went to uh, PAX. It's a video game convention. That's it, It's in Seattle, but lately they have one called PAX East that's in Boston. But and anyhow, I was there, and they were promoting the... Um, I believe it's called a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Smash-Up for the Wii. Uh, yeah, actually, I reviewed the comic book adaptation for that, if you can believe it was. Oh, they had a comic book based on the game? Okay. Was yeah. it any good? No, no. No? <laughs> yeah, playing the game there, it was kind of like Smash Brothers, and it was even developed by the same uh, people that did that game, but it just wasn't very good. But they had, like, a, a replica turtle van with some Ninja Turtles memorabilia inside, and they were giving... Oh, yeah, a... there's a party wagon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a big tour, sure. yeah. So, I mean, that part was kind of fun, but... Oh yeah, I mean uh, some of the games they released recently. They uh, they got when the four kids cartoon, the 2003 series came out. They uh, got Konami, the guys who did the old like TMNT arcade and all them to do some yeah. new games. They were 
uh, like you know, beat em up games in 3D, and it, it didn't translate very well to the to the new like format, and the games were just kind of bland. And yeah, they made at least and... they made at least three or four of those for the PlayStation Two. I uh, I think I played the first one. I remember every time you try and get Leonardo to attack, he'd scream out "Kawabunga," and and you're uh, hitting you're hitting the attack button like 20 times a minute in these games. So it's like "Kawa Kawa Kawabunga." Yeah, Michelangelo was screaming, eat feet, eat feet, every time he kicked someone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I bought this for nine ninety nine from GameStop, and I want my money back. But I think those games, based off the uh, 2003 series, they at least tried to stick to the storyline of the animated show. Oh, yeah, they actually had a bit different. With, uh, cartoon episodes. Okay. It. But it was, uh, I mean, they were, they were kind of bland, tie-in games, you know, the sort of stuff you'd see on, like, the Wii, you know. Yeah. Nothing real special. Nothing like the old games. I mean, it yeah, it, it, it is cool. You have the um, old Ninja Turtles arcade game and Turtles in Time available on the uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Oh yeah, that's actually a that's a, a great thing to have because those things should be sort of like immortalized in time, I believe, because those are actually not just good turtle games, but just good video games. Period. And my favorite beat 'em up, uh, more than Double Dragon or Streets of Rage or anything like that. It's just a good game. Yeah, the um, although the uh, the remake they did of Turtles in Time, the second arcade game, is really messed up. They don't. They did a lot of changes to it, where it just it feels like it moves too fast. Oh, and, I actually uh, haven't played that one because I don't have the uh, the Xbox Live. But some friends of mine played it, and they liked how they fixed the jump kick, so you don't sort of like jump up, spiral in the air, and then magically go forward, or something like that. But they changed the mechanics, so it, if you're trying to play you know, automatically, like, through memory, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, the way you move is a little bit different, but they redid the graphics, and I think the new graphics are nice. But uh, mm-hmm. but let's, with no segue whatsoever, let's move on to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. came out in 1991, directed by Michael Pressman. Uh, Michael Pressman has directed a lot of TV. He also directed a, uh, a Dan Aykroyd movie called Dr. Detroit. Um, written by Todd Langan, who was one of the writers on the uh, first movie. And again, it's by uh, Golden Harvest, who produced uh, the first three of these live-action movies. And uh, I remember seeing this movie in the theater. I drug my dad and my sister to it. I must have been in, like, third grade at the time, revealing my age there. But uh, we went out to the theater, my dad fell asleep through the movie, and I think my sister was just bored shitless. But at the time, I was just enthralled. I knew it from the uh, animated show, and it definitely has a closer tone to the uh, Fred Wolf uh, animated show than the uh, first yeah. Ninja Turtles movie did. Uh, do you remember when you first saw this movie? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. We got it on, rented it from Blockbusters and dubbed it onto a beta cassette tape. <laughs> and I mean, I, I won't lie. I mean, I loved that movie when I was a kid. I, yeah. I would not stop watching it. And then the next year, it doesn't feel like it was only a year later, but, you know, when you're a kid, time's different. The next year, we actually went to the theaters to see TMNT 3, and then I was kind of done with TMNT. Sure. Uh, And, you know, the first movie came out in 1990. This came out in 1991, so they really fast-tracked this. Uh, When I talk... Uh, with uh, with that in mind, I think they actually they did a pretty good job for something that came out with less than a year of production or just pre-production. Just they popped it out like that, and Jim Henson did a great job with such little time to work with. Yeah, and the costumes all appear to be different in this, even for the Ninja Turtles and Splinter. It all looks a bit. Uh, they look lighter in color. They you can see their teeth a lot more. Yeah, you can't see the actor's mouth inside the turtle's mouth <laughs> anymore. Which is... 
No, true. yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, uh, last episode when I talked to Steve Barron, the director of the first movie, he said he was offered the sequel and didn't want to do it because even making the first film, he had all these problems with uh, the tone of it. And he was told right off the bat the second movie is going to be a lot more kid-friendly, and he thought, what's the point? So he didn't get to do the second one. But, um, you know, the storyline picks off right off the bat from where the first one leaves off. And uh, I think the beginning of this movie is okay. I think it starts off okay. Actually, I like the title sequence, all the people eating the pizza. It's uh, uh-huh. kind of like catch you off guard, just go through New York, people doing their thing, and all of a sudden, hey, eating pizza. But I noticed uh, watching today, though, that all the pizza is just plain cheese pizza. Like, every single one of those <laughs> actors was, you know, kosher or something. Yeah, and I think, you know, cheese pizza is the cheapest you can order. Yeah, right. And uh, so money on Jim Henson creature effects. Got to save money on pizza. Oh, exactly. And I think you know, at the time uh, this movie came out, it was shortly after Jim Henson died, and there was even a part. I think at the end yeah, of the movie, it says dedicated to uh, Jim Henson. Uh, yeah, that was actually how I found out that Jim Henson died. Um, was I we t- I popped in the tape, and the first thing that it's actually at the beginning of the movie. Oh, okay. Dedicated to Jim Henson. Like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> Kermit's dead. <laughs> yeah, not to get into it too much, but um, the way Jim Henson died, it was way before his time. It was due to complications from pneumonia. And and, and he was, a, from what I understand, I could be wrong about this, but he was an individual that, you know, didn't like to go to the doctor. He felt naturally you could heal yourself with a lot of things. And well, he said he didn't want to. He didn't want to bother people with his quote that he just didn't. Yeah. He didn't want to make trouble for anybody, which is a real sweet guy, but it. Unfortunately, that took him away from us way too soon. Sure, I mean it's something. Who knows what he could have done with, uh, I don't know, with the computer animation or what different direction the Muppet movies might have taken or the whole Muppet franchise. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. For a while, the Muppets were owned by a German company, and now I think they're owned by Disney, and they're coming out with a new Muppet movie in uh, 2012. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I think it's uh, the cheapest Muppet movie ever made, which is actually the plot-wise <laughs> sounds really funny. Gonzo directing a movie. Oh, is that it? That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, but you have to do it on a shoestring budget. Yeah. Uh, right. I know it has a uh, Jason Segel is in it, who was in Freaks and Geeks and um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I think. Oh, right. I don't think I've seen either of them. And in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, there's a sequence where he works with making a Dracula musical with Muppets. So <laughs> it's, uh... but I mean, I'm looking forward to that to that Muppet thing. Uh, the oh, yeah, new Muppet movie that good. comes out, yeah, even even you know Muppets in Space was was okay. Uh, yeah, it had <laughs> But uh, back to Ninja Turtles or Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze, I should say. You have this montage where everyone's eating pizza in everyday life. You assume it's because oh the Ninja Turtles are popular and it's made pizza really popular. But the weird thing is, if you've ever been to New York City, there's pizza places every other block. Or there's food carts selling pizza every other block. Like, pizza's already popular in Manhattan. Well, pizza was uh, was created in Italy, but it was, it was born in Manhattan, basically. It's, it's their <laughs> signature dish. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was in Manhattan twice in the past couple of years, and you can't you can't look one way without seeing either a mugging or a pizza. <laughs> and, um, yeah, New York-style pizza, it's like a big slice, thin crust, and, um, you know, a lot of cheese on it. And if you go to Chicago, they have Chicago-style pizza. Have you had that before? Yeah, it's basically just a big bowl of ingredients. <laughs> yeah, you have, like, really thick crust, and they put the uh, the cheese on the bottom, 
the toppings on top, and then tomato sauce is dumped over everything. You eat it with a fork, which I, I think that doesn't qualify as pizza. you got to eat that No, it, it's almost like a combination of a meatloaf and a pizza, I guess. I don't know. It's <laughs> the casserole, basically. Yeah, casserole, exactly. It's uh... So you can tell that um, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, is a good movie when we get into discussions about our favorite kinds of pizzas. Like we're trying to talk about everything but the movie right now. Yeah, yeah, that never happens on the sequel cast. Uh, <laughs> but so after this initial montage, you have a scene where there's a pizza delivery boy named uh, Kino and uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. <laughs> and the actor that played him was actually was he like a stunt double for Leonardo? Uh, he was a stunt double for Donatello, Donatello in the first movie, the and uh, apparently they liked him so much, and he was actually, he could act outside the suit, so they gave him a job in this one as the kid sidekick. And I do want to say, it's nice in this one, the kid sidekick is um, not a white person. Yeah, that's actually, uh, that was a nice change of pace. Everyone says, like, oh, if, you know, if it's not a white guy, then the audience can't, you know, identify with him. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, who's the audience? <laughs> Lots of people like ninjas, not just white people. <laughs> but, I mean, you look at he can actually do the martial arts, and there's a lot of neat scenes where he does that, and uh, including he was very impressive in the movie, yeah, definitely. And, and his acting, I think, is fine. It, it's uh, yeah. it, it works for I mean, what it I, is. Around the same time, he was in that uh, that Sega Game Gear commercial called Surf Ninjas, which I also had copied onto a beta tape. So it was a, a lot of Ernie Reyes Jr. when I was a kid. <laughs> I couldn't escape him. That wasn't Surf Ninjas. Wasn't that a movie as well? Uh, yeah. That's what I was joking around, but yeah, that was a movie that had a lot of Sega Game Gear in it. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of Leslie Nielsen and a lot of Rob Schneider. <laughs> it's quite the cast for a ninja movie. Uh, so we have a fight scene where robbers are trying to break into a place. It's almost a callback to the uh, the first movie where guys are stealing TVs. Oh, yeah. and uh, Except in this one, they fight them with combat cold cuts. Yeah, yeah. So the the Ninja well, Turtles wow. come on the scene, and uh, right away, even though they have their weapons in the in this movie, Ninja Turtles Two, they don't use the weapons that much. They just stay in their uh, not pockets. Well, they, yeah, I don't know. They stay in their pockets. One of the problems with that, I don't know if uh, you've heard, but over in Europe at the time, not only was the word ninja banned uh, because it brought up like assassins and murder and stuff so it was called teenage mutant hero turtles in the uk hmm. but uh michelangelo's nunchucks were banned and had to be edited out of every episode of the cartoon and all the movies so they decided just make it easier on the uh, international market just not have michelangelo use his nunchucks at all and yeah that had a great effect on the movie <laughs> i'm not sure why nunchucks which are two wooden sticks with a chain in between is more violent than a sword you know you think that but <laughs> Hey, I don't know. Uh, he ends up using a sausage on a string. The yeah. same way as his nunchucks. He's like trying to find some way around it. Sure. I mean, it's right away, even though the the fight choreography is still okay, I, the thing I noticed this time around is you don't see a lot of the turtles hitting someone. They kind of duck out of the way so the Foot Clan hits each other. Yeah, right? Or uh, they take a yo-yo and spin it around and just a little like tap in the face knocks them unconscious. And even to accentuate the uh, the similarities to the cartoon, you have a lot of cartoon sound effects as the foot soldiers get knocked down, as they swing their weapons around, just uh, all throughout the movie. It makes it feel like a cartoon. And I think if you oh, go yeah. into Ninja Turtles 2 and pretend the first Ninja Turtles was never made, it, yeah, it's, more it's a bit easier to swallow. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I loved it when I was a kid. You know, watching it now, and I've read all the comic books, which I hadn't read as a kid. So you know, with uh, all that in mind, I'm kind of like uh, bitter or vitriolic about it. But I loved it when I was a kid. That was the target audience back then. So you got to give it a give it some slack in that regard. What do you think of the way the costumes look compared to the first movie? I think that that was the one thing that this movie actually did better. Their uh, their lip syncing was better. Their expressions were uh, were tighter. And like I said, you couldn't see the actors' mouths inside the turtles. So I think the costumes were actually um, a bit of an improvement, if uh, even if Donatello looked fat. The thing with Donatello, like his chin. I didn't notice the double chin, but his mouth is so strange; it almost looks more like a beak. Yeah, right. It, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, like oh, okay. his head's kind of just oddly shaped. Although in but, this uh, one, yeah. Donatello acts more like Donatello in the movie. I think it, he he gets a bit more computer stuff to do. Yeah, when when they go, uh, we'll get to that later. But yeah, he he does act more technical. And uh, you didn't mention this in uh, your interview at the last for the last movie, but they hooked uh, Casey Jones and Donatello up. But uh, in based in the comics and the other cartoons and every other version, it's Casey and Raph because they're most alike. And in the in the original comics, Donnie and Casey actually hate each other, huh. and they get in fights all the time. And actually, uh, I did an article about it. Uh, Casey got drunk and went and picks a fight with Don, and they don't like each other at all. So it's kind of weird that they made them friends in the first movie. Yeah, that is strange. I mean, I, I don't. I guess there's so many characters and so many comics to base it off of. There's you have to strip down a lot, and um, they really base that first uh, the script for the first Ninja Turtles movie on those comics because the uh, cartoon wasn't around at the time when they were starting uh, uh, to do the pre-production. Yeah, I think they just had to do it um, for an economical reason because uh, if you recall, Raph had been knocked unconscious, so he couldn't be friends with Casey because he's kind of out cold. So that is, you know, that's just It is really a bummer that uh, Casey Jones is not in this movie. He's such a big part of the first one that you I think they, they'd have him as a cameo or he'd help him out at the end or something. But Yeah, I know. Elias Kotius could probably have used the work, but yeah. <laughs> but it was cool when they brought him back in the third one, I'll admit that. Sure. I mean, it might, uh, again, I, I think, you know, a guy in a hockey mask beating up people with a hockey stick, that can be considered pretty violent. So I'm yeah. guessing that might be the reason. Yeah, that's probably it. They wanted the, the identifiable kid sidekick character, so they brought in Kino, and, you know, it worked for what it was. So in the movie, you uh, move on to the Foot Clan that aren't knocked unconscious by this attack. They go back to uh, Tatsu, who was second in command in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And Shredder comes in out of nowhere to... Uh, you know, regain control of the Foot Clan. And you didn't really see it, but in the first movie, it's implied Shredder is crushed to death by a trash yeah, compactor. The thing that that bugged me, or just like when I actually stopped to think about it more, was that nobody told the cops that Shredder's corpse was inside that dump truck. It's just like, <laughs> uh, take it away. <laughs> I guess uh, Case is the one who pulled the lever to crush his skull, so I guess he didn't want to go to prison, so, you know, keep your mouth shut. You know, maybe... Uh... Shredder had such good armor, or the the helmet protected his head so well that he might have been mangled, but not not completely defeated. Well, they do make a big deal about his face being really badly scarred, and uh, when they do close-ups, you can see some uh, gashes all over, so he was pretty messed up by what happened. And uh, even though the voices for the Ninja Turtles are different in some cases in this one compared to the first one, the voice of uh, Shredder and Tatsu and the Splinter are all the same, so that bit of continuity oh, yeah. is nice. 
Oh, yeah, and uh, actually a, a couple of the voices are the same. Yeah, the most glaring one I thought was, I mean, besides Corey Feldman going away, which is I never thought I think that. Oh, yeah, Donatello has a, with Corey Feldman. Yeah, him going away. I never thought losing Corey Feldman would be a bad thing, but here we are. <laughs> um, but they uh, also got a guy named Lori Faso to uh, replace uh, Raphael. And Lori Faso, he's, uh, he was on Transformers. He's a character named Octane, and he also does a whole lot of movie promos. Um, so he was actually a famous cartoon voice actor at the time. Yeah, Raphael sounded a lot different in this one. He, it's not as harsh of a New York accent, and he's not pissed yeah, off all the time. Yeah, he seemed a, a little more mellow, or at least uh, his his dialogue wasn't maybe more mellow, but his uh, his way of speaking was. Uh, Splinter looks a bit different in this one. Yeah, um, I thought all the costumes did look a bit different, but uh, Splinter looked good. And, uh, I mean, Kevin Clash, I actually got the chance to see him perform. You covered this in the first one, but he's also the puppeteer and voice of Elmo. Yeah. And I got to see him perform live at uh, Elmo's Red Tie Gala a couple of weeks ago as a charity for the Hasbro Children's Hospital that I attended. And the guy's really funny in real life. He's like a stand-up comedian. He was a he had a co-host and uh, Elmo was like ripped on him and all that. It was, it was really huh. amusing. Yeah, so he's a real clever, nice guy. <laughs> and he's built like a football player. You'd be really taken aback if you saw him. <laughs> Yeah, there's a um, a documentary that has been around the film festivals lately that's, uh, I don't remember the name, but it's about Kevin Clash and Elmo and, and his life, and that um, sounds pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, I mean, he uh, he worked with Jim Henson, and he worked with Frank Oz, and uh, he actually uh, alternated with Frank Oz on Frank Oz's characters like Ms. Piggy and stuff. Oh. So he's, uh, he's really done a, a whole lot in his lifetime. It's really amazing. Yeah, and, and Elmo was a Sesame Street character that people might not remember was not one of the original Sesame Street people, but no, he's I, become... I don't remember when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was around uh, when I was a kid either, and um, it's just one of those things where he grew into such popularity because uh, of the voice, I guess, and the Tickle Me Elmo doll, Elmo doll, yeah, I remember that. that stuff. And uh, you have April O'Neil is in this movie, but she's played by a different act actress. Instead of Paige Turco, it is... Uh, it was uh, replacing Judith Hogue, and this one she's played by Paige Turco. I'm sorry, right. And uh, Paige Turco in this one also plays her in uh, the Ninja Turtles 3. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think and she's better looking than Judith Hogue, personally. Um, yeah, she, she was pretty easy on the eyes. I mean, just to be per- perfectly honest, I actually never noticed the actress change until uh, <laughs> when I was rewatching the movies on a DVD when I first they first came out. When I was a kid, it was just April's April. Yeah, they never they gave her a lot to do in the first movie, and while they always keep her as a character in the other ones, it's more of convenience because if you have a character that's a news reporter, you can always start a plot by having her doing a newscast, and it somehow ties into a bigger story. Yeah, and there's a, there's a reason for her to be involved in, like, all the criminal stuff that they go into, for a reason for her to be there. Uh, in the comics, she actually she started out as a lab assistant for Baxter Stockman, and then she just kind of did nothing after that. And she's really hmm. bland in the comics. She has nothing to do because she's not a news reporter, and there's no reason for her to be there. So uh, that's one of the things I liked about the cartoon and movies. Oh, and the funny thing, looking at the, uh, the original Mirage comics, is uh, Peter Laird and... Kevin Eastman would uh would switch off on what pages they were drawing, and sometimes their uh, their character designs would look so different it would be pretty jarring. 
But oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Like uh, Peter Laird would draw April with uh, all these like detail lines, and she kind of looked ugly. But uh, Kevin Eastman, who's a he's the editor of Heavy Metal, so you know he he likes to draw women. So he would draw her being a lot more uh, attractive. Yeah. In the comics. <laughs> so in, in this one, and you got to remember, this movie was made in the or came out in the early '90s. There was a lot of environmentalism going on. You had things like Captain Planet. You had a. Uh, yeah, right. Give a hoot, don't pollute, save the rainforest, uh, Fern Gully, all that stuff. So in this one, it focuses on a company known as uh, TGRI, Techno Global Research Industries. And uh, they do, uh, I guess, nuclear power and some toxic waste stuff. And she's trying to see if any of their experiments have gone awry. And uh, Professor Jordan Perry, played by David Warner. Uh, David Warner's been in a lot of movies. Uh, uh, he's, uh, he's one of my favorite character actors. He's been in a ton of cartoons and a ton of really bad horror movies, which is one of my favorite things. So I love that guy. He's great. Yeah, he, he was in uh, Star Trek V and Star Trek VI. He, uh, God, he was in the Twin Peaks TV show for a little bit. So he's a great actor. He's British. And uh, he, he does a good job of being sort of like a nerd scientist. And he, he distracts April O'Neil from the scene. And yet, you—it's revealed that there is a mutation in nearby flowers, and so there is something going awry at the plant. And uh, I didn't read this recently, but uh, five years ago, I started collecting Starlog magazine. Oh, I have a few of those, yeah. And uh, there is one I—I I haven't. So this might not be totally right, but uh, there's one where Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze was on the cover, and they interviewed the uh, the writer of the movie Todd Langan and he talks about how uh, in the comic book the company is called TCRI but in the movie it had to be TGRI because there was an actual company named TCRI and they couldn't have that name and it also mentioned this uh, character Professor Perry played by David Warner at the end of the movie they filmed a, a sequence that has never been on DVD as a deleted scene where it turns out Professor Perry was a Utram all along a brain yeah, alien one, yeah. like like Crane, and yeah, they're one of the uh, aliens that lives in a, a robotic body in its stomach. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, that's actually been a pretty a pretty long standing rumor. I don't. I've also never uh, seen a script. I've I've seen the second draft of the script, um, which doesn't have that scene in it, but it would make sense because if you notice at the end of the movie, they mentioned the mysterious disappearance of TGRI. Yeah. And in the comic books, that's what happened. The entire building actually literally disappeared into space uh so it would make sense and hey, who knows and yeah uh, in, the, in this article there was no photo of what that looked like but basing on that Starlog article i guess some kind of puppetry was made for that and it was considered to be too confusing so maybe they made a puppet and they never filmed it i don't know but yeah, that's what i heard they thought kids would mistake you know why is krang one of the good guys i sure. don't get it you know and uh, I, th I think i think that's a fair point Oh, yeah. I mean, it, if you're not familiar with the comics, you know, that wouldn't make sense. And it's kind of loading the movie anyway with uh, plot points that, you know, kids wouldn't follow. And it also might look kind of disgusting. I mean, Crane looks gross enough in the cartoon, and, and then the uh, the Utrams in the comic look pretty gross. So seeing, like, a detailed puppet. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, anything scary, they probably had to, to neuter in those movies. I mean, we'll get to Toka and Razar eventually, I'm sure, and have a lot to say about them. In the meantime, with the plot, Splinter is watching April O'Neil report on TV, and he notices uh, that they're talking about TGRI, 
and he brings the turtles up on the rooftop and whips out the... He still holds on to the canister of the ooze that uh, cracked in the first place that caused um, old Splinter and the Ninja Turtles to uh, exist, you know, to mutate and have anthropomorphic uh, features and and talk, intellect, yeah, speech. And when he puts the halves together, it spells T-G-R-I. So that's very convenient. Um, But again, they're aiming this at a pretty young audience. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured, you know, these people are trying to illegally dump toxic waste, but they're putting their corporate logo on it, you know. Not exactly the smartest guys on the planet. (laughs) Right, that's a good point. And uh, the toxic waste was neon green, and at the time uh, this movie came out, as a promo, they sold these uh, Hostess pies filled with vanilla pudding that was uh, colored green, so they're like ooze pies. And, um, My mom would make me eat those, and that was bad. That was like a punishment. <laughs> I, uh, I always meant to eat those at the time, and I never did, but I, I like the Hostess uh, like apple fruit pies. But those things are one of the least healthy snacks you can eat. The outside is like pure fried lard, and um, oh, one of those has like 75% of your daily value of fat. Easy. It's a, that doesn't and mean they're ever eat just one anyway. Well, sure, and that doesn't mean they're not tasty. If you're going on a road trip and stopping at a gas station, uh, I'll get one of those things. But I never like tried it. Rind. Yeah, I, I never tried it with the pudding, and uh, green uh, pudding in particular. <laughs> That's just it, it was it was the grossest <laughs> thing on the planet, man. I'm not even gonna lie. That was did it still taste like vanilla, or did it taste like? Uh... It tasted like vanilla, but it didn't matter okay. what it tasted like. It was just gross. <laughs> I don't want to eat slime. Uh. It's almost like the uh, Nickelodeon Double Dare. Uh, they had some of the slime uh, yeah, toys right. for that, too. So, I was like, they used to make uh, candy that came in, like, tubes, like toothpaste, and you're just supposed to eat it out of a tube. I'm like, that's not, that shouldn't <laughs> even be edible. <laughs> Illegal. I just thinking, you're making a pie to sell for uh, to children, and it's bright green colored. Aren't they going to spill that? Isn't it going to stain their clothes, stain the carpet? Oh, yeah, it's like... Uh, Kool-Aid and High C used to be like that until they created a, a stain-free formula hmm. that they actually started stamping in all their boxes so parents would start buying it again. <laughs> or the Capri Sun, where you could never uh, put the straw into it without it squirting everywhere. Oh yeah, right. Elementary school bags of milk. Yeah. Mm. So uh, bags of milk are more interesting than Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, breaking oh, news we there. We haven't gotten to Vanilla Ice yet. Nope, nope, but uh, he's there, and uh, I had the soundtrack to this movie when it came out. I don't know why. a brave individual. Uh, My mom bought it for me on audio cassette. I also had the uh, soundtrack to the uh, Turtles coming out of their shell tour, but I I never... I never got to see that live, did you? No, no, I didn't, Um, but I did have the soundtrack, and I think even when I was, uh, what is it, like seven... I listened to it once, and I was like, yeah, this is corny even for a seven-year-old. And, and if you, if listeners, you don't know what that is, uh, around the time this movie came out, they had a, a touring show nationwide in the United States, at least. It might have gone overseas, I don't know, where people in Ninja Turtles outfits kind of danced to, uh, it was sort of a musical, but it all sounded like shitty Bon Jovi music. <laughs> and, uh, and They're all singing lots about the cartoon and the characters. So. Yeah, I think Pizza Power might have been the big hit. But uh, even the title, Coming Out of Our Shells, is that a metaphor for, um, like, gay people coming out of the closet? I don't know. Like, it's so strange. Like, 
all the Ninja Turtles had different guitars and uh, or uh, instruments instead of guitars, weapons. stuff like that. It was a product of its time in the worst possible way. Sure, and if you go on YouTube, you can see the entire like one-hour video, but you're not going to make it through much of it. Uh, <laughs> it's a test of endurance, to be sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's there if you want to find it, but that doesn't mean you should. Yeah, it's like opening the Ark of the Covenant. If you want your face melted off, do you really? <laughs> so, uh... Back to uh, this movie, up until this point, where Splinter is showing them the canister that it spells out the name of the company, TGRI, I think it's okay. It's goofy, it's silly, but it has a plot that kind of makes sense, and you sort of wonder, okay, I kind of want to see the mystery, where does this ooze come from? And then, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, even in the old cartoon, I mean, there was no mystery about the ooze in the old cartoon. It was Shredder poured it in the uh, sewer to try and uh, take out Hamato Yoshi, and that's really all there was to it. It was just something cranked in it. But in the, in the movie, they actually try to make, a, make it a plot point, make it interesting, and not just uh, some plot device, rather. They try to take a device and turn it into a point, and, you know, it worked. Yeah, it, it, it's a fine idea for a sequel. You do reuse a lot of, uh, like, locations from the first movie. You have April's apartment and all these things, but... It was a, it was a new apartment, actually, because uh, I remember her uh, first apartment burned down. Oh, yeah, they burned it down. But I, I like at the beginning, the turtles are saying, hey, we're not in the sewer, we're in her apartment, because they won't find us here. But it's like, they could look up April O'Neil in a phone book and track yeah, that address right. down. It. I don't know. So, well, going back to the the canister of ooze, um, this this part actually happened later in the movie when they when the turtles meet Jordan Perry, but yeah, and he explains to them, oh yeah, we we lost the can of ooze and uh, it fell in the sewers and we created you guys by accident. Sorry. And <laughs> there's actually that one like two minute sequence of reflection where the characters sit down like, what? We were an accident? No, that's messed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And speaking of the mutation, there's a whole plot in this movie with uh, Toka and Razor, where Shredder uses the ooze to transform a, a, a turtle and a, and a wolf, I guess, into these monsters, presumably to fight the Ninja Turtles. And um, again, from this Starlog article, they mentioned, and originally it was Bebop and Rocksteady, but um, I guess Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman had a big problem with those characters from the cartoon. They didn't want to just use the same idea over again. Well, it's because uh, in their minds they wanted the movies to be more like the comics, even though obviously mm-hmm. they didn't turn out that way. But they wanted to keep the cartoon characters separate from the comics. And they had that same mentality when they did the uh, the Four Kids series in 2003. They kept Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang out of it all the way until uh, Turtles Forever. But yeah, so they, they made up some substitute mutants for this movie. Well, that Turtles Forever, be... I think, is a really amusing uh, sort of crossover. Well, I, I thought it was superb. I loved every moment of it. It was kind of like a you know Ninja Turtle fanboy's wet dream sort of thing. Yeah, and if you're looking for a Ninja Turtles thing that's closer to the comics, if you look at some of the episodes of the Four Kids uh, series from 2002 or 2003, that show does a lot of pretty close stuff to the comics in some regards with uh, the fugitory plot. Oh yeah, and, uh, they, they adapted some a, other a whole number of stories from the comic. They did a they did a pretty good job on it, and some surprising violence in it too, which uh, which uh, alarmed me and uh, impressed me. <laughs> but back to Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the Ooze. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's too much left. There's not much of a plot after this point. So you, you get uh, a you, you get a big sequence where the Ninja Turtles and the Foot Clan both meet up in the uh, TGRI factory to. Uh, the Ninja Turtles get there first, and they see all this ooze. 
and they try to uh, they're trying to find to make sure all the ooze has been disposed of because it's a toxic, potentially dangerous substance. And Donatello uses the computer and finds one canister of ooze is missing. Yep, and uh, Tatsu's got it. Yeah. Yeah, right. And Tatsu has it, and um, so they kind of do a, a hot a hot potato game. They they toss around this uh, canister of ooze, and it's okay, but it's like not really a fight scene. Well, it's all the fight scenes in that movie are like that. They're, uh, you know, how in the old cartoon where instead of fighting, they'd have a convenient stack of tires which they'd throw onto the opponent like a ring toss game and tie sure. them up or they'd knock a chandelier down or throw a trash can at them. These fight scenes are like that, you know. They'd, they'd do whatever they could to not hit the person but use the environment to take them down like Three Stooges style. You know, it's a good cartoon movie in that fashion, I guess. Yeah, as an adult watching it, it becomes very uh, tedious. Monotonous. I, yeah, monotonous, exactly. You just kind of wait for the scene to end, and some of the choreography, I guess, is okay, but the first movie, not that the Ninja Turtles were saying, like, fuck you and bleeding and everything, but it was still, the tone and the fight scenes were much more interesting to watch. It's kind of frustrating watching this, because even when they do actually fight, like when you watch Ernie Reyes Jr. fighting the... Uh the thugs at the very beginning of the movie with the pantyhose in their face, or when he's fighting the uh, the kid at the uh, tryouts for the Foot Clan, you can tell there's a lot of really good fight choreography, and some of these guys are really good. But whenever the turtles fight, they're you know they're hitting people with sausages and uh, throwing yo-yos at them, and it's kind of just like, come on, fight, fight. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a kick in the balls after the first movie. Uh, that's for sure. That's a good way to describe this whole movie, I guess. But uh, frustrating. Yeah. So, in in the meantime, you get a plot in this movie where, oh, what's his name? Was it Kino? Kino? What's his? Kino, yes, Kino. Yeah, Kino. You gotta play to win, Kino. Yes, uh, Kino goes, and he tries to go undercover to the Foot Clan to find stuff out. And that seems kind of a repeat of the first movie with the kid. Although you never yeah. see an awesome lair where there are smoking cigarettes and things like that. Again, because no, they're trying to go more kid-friendly. <laughs> yeah, right, so... Nah, but I did like, there's one scene in that that I really did li- I liked, and it's, it kind of reminded me of the first movie, and it's the only part where the turtles act like ninjas, where they uh, have Kino and say, you've got to get all the bells off this mannequin without making them ring, and you got to do mm. it in total, like, smoke cloud. And Raph sneaks in there, takes them all off, gives them to Kino, and disappears within uh, the 15-second second time span. And that actually felt like, hey, that's what ninjas are like. Good job. That's true. I mean, it's really... I guess if someone's doing something to a inanimate object, it's not as offensive. No, no, but it was actually a, a pretty well-done scene. They, they actually recycled some of the music from the first movie, so it's that one little split second in the second one that felt like the first one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, part of this plot you can blame on. They didn't have a lot of time to make the second movie. Mm. And even, like... Um, so Ninja Turtles 1 came out in 1990. In the United States, it was the number five uh, top-grossing movie for that year. Ninja Turtles 2 came out in 91. It was the number 13 top-grossing movie. So it still made a lot of money, and uh, because they started making the first movie when the comics were just around, it was able to hit theaters at the time when it was still popular in the public consciousness with the toys and the cartoon. Compared to... Another movie like uh, Masters of the Universe, based on the He-Man uh, property. That that I mean that that one's complete shit. But that one didn't come uh, out. That didn't come out until way after the cartoon was popular. 
Yeah, that so, one was actually an attempt to revitalize the franchise, and that that did not work out. You don't get Dolph Lundgren fighting Frank Langella to revitalize the franchise. No, no, no. You don't have a beating Kentucky Fried Chicken either. <laughs> yeah, right, too uh, bad there isn't three or four of those so you can do a series. <laughs> uh, you know, they they took a, a partial script for He-Man 2 and made it into the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Cyborg. Oh, I did not know that, but it yep. makes so much sense now. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, Back to Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. I've been saying that a lot this show. Um, so much of the end of the movie is this nonsense with Vanilla Ice performing uh, the ninja rap, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Uh, well, uh, uh, you want, might not believe this, but the in the early scripts of the movie, the original intent, yeah. I'm going to have to look up this lady's name because apparently uh, it was originally supposed to be not Vanilla Ice, but Ya Kid K. Does that ring any bells to you? No. She uh, she performed uncredited Pump Up the Jam. Okay. And she uh, did a lot of music in the 90s and was actually popular for about 15 seconds. And I guess her 15 seconds ran out by the time the movie went into production, so they switched to Vanilla Ice. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, the whole, whole subplot where Kino was going to, like, be swooning all over Ya Kid K, and uh, that didn't make him the transition. That at least would have been better because it would have given Kino more to do but, yeah, and that, that last fight scene, he's just, there's no reason for him to be there at all. No, I mean, Vanilla Ice is an entertainer who's a, had a very bright flame, but it was so brief. And lately he's been doing a reality show where he, um, like, builds houses or something. It's, yeah. I guess he's trying to, he, his repentance, he's trying to make up for it, <laughs> for cool as ice. Well, in, in the late 90s, Vanilla Ice tried to do, like, a, a heavy metal, like, two-CD album or something. He was trying to change... Well, um, he still does that right now. Actually. Oh, does he? He's, okay. Uh, he's, uh, he signed on to the Insane Clown Posse's label, and he tours with them now. Uh. And he, he still performs the ninja rap, but he does it uh, first. He, for legal reasons, he removes everything but the chorus, so no TMNT references. Right. And I don't know what he's singing about, but apparently the song is available for download on his website. But, you know, if the FBI ever confiscates my computer, I don't want him to find VanillaIce.com in my browser history. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, Vanilla Ice's show is called The Vanilla Ice Project on the DIY Network. Um, and it's about him renovating a house in Palm Beach, Florida. Each episode dedicated to a different <laughs> room in the house. Uh, he missed his calling and he should have been a carpenter. I guess, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be in Passion of the Christ too. I have no idea. Passion of the Ice, you mean. Passion of the Ice, yeah. I mean, Vanilla Ice did do a movie. Um, yeah, cool as Ice. Cool as Ice. That has him running through the uh, a partially built house, so who knows? And to be doing that on the side to make some extra cash, I have no idea. <laughs> With the housing market it is now, I don't know. I mean, this isn't worth talking about. Okay, <laughs> no, back. <laughs> no, it's never worth talking. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, back to the movie. So I mean, this sequence with Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go seems to go on forever. Like it's trying to be a distraction. Twice. Yeah, they do this whole song twice. It's a distraction while the Ninja Turtles are fighting Toka and Razor and uh, Shredder and stuff. So even though there's a concert going on, people aren't going to notice there's turtles fighting people. Well, everyone's watching them and everyone's loving it. They got that scene with the uh, the producer, whoever, some jerk with a ponytail. It's like, oh, this is great. Don't call the police trying to explain why no cops show up to break up the ninja mutant whatever battle. But it just goes on and then they stuff 
fire extinguishers down the mutant's mouth, and you know it's just a race to get to the end credits after that. Yeah, and then a Shredder uses a little bit left of the ooze to become Super Shredder. That's after he gets blown away with the power of a keytar through a window, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Super Shredder, that's an okay idea. I think that kind of makes sense. I Although, thought he looked really good, even if you don't know why his, his costume mutated too, but whatever. It's a kid's movie. Yeah, you're not going to have a, a big naked guy uh, fighting the yeah, Ninja right. Turtles. I don't want to see Kevin Nash naked anymore. Than oh. <laughs> it gives the secret of the ooze a whole other meaning. <laughs> that's... uh. Pretty gross. Yeah. Um, and then, then he just—he doesn't even fight the turtles. He just knocks down the dock, and then it's all right. Let's go home. <laughs> there has to be some budget reasons for that. I, I can't imagine because the whole sequence of the Ninja Turtles versus Shredder in the first uh, live-action Ninja Turtles movie is such a great sequence, and it's pretty close to the comic in a summer. Yeah, they're so involved. Yeah, it's great. It goes on, but yeah, it's exciting. This one, I mean, he shows up and. Like I said, I actually thought the costume looked pretty cool. Like, oh, my God, it's Super Shredder. And then he just punches stuff that isn't a turtle. Everything that isn't a turtle, he punches. And then we're done. Yeah, at the end, you get a sequence that is similar to something that they go upon again and again in the comic where Splinter says, oh, you Ninja Turtles should not be seen. And they're like, oh, we're never seen, man. And they show him a, a newspaper. That says, oh, Ninja, Ninja Rap. Ninja Rap. The nation. <laughs> yeah. And so he makes him do these backflips as a punishment, which is something they did earlier in the movie. And uh, Yeah, rather recurring gag. And Splinter makes a joke, I made another funny. And it, you see, that doesn't make any sense, because he's, like, recalling something he said, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, nobody does that. <laughs> Maybe he has Alzheimer's. Maybe that was a scene <laughs> yeah, right. cut out of this one. Oh, yeah, Rat. And if you... Skipped over the part where they just move into to a abandoned subway station with like a cathedral rooftop of stained glass just down in the middle of the sewers somehow, and it has it comes with working power and everything. They just flip a switch and there's all these light bulbs from 1910 that are still active. Just nonsense. You know, maybe if Toka and Razor would have fought them in their new hideout, that might have made more sense. That could have been cool. That could have been cool. I mean, going back to Toka and Razor, I thought they uh, the costumes from the Henson Creature Shop on them was just fantastic. Yeah. It was just such like a wasted potential that they had to be, you know, quote-unquote babies. And the voice by Frank Welker, uh, one of the most famous voice actors in the world, in America anyway. And they're just, just so frustrating again because they're so cool-looking and so powerful, but they're idiots. Yeah, they call Shredder Mommy uh, a few times, I believe. Okay. and. Uh, but Frank Welker, the voice of those two, he, he was the voice of uh, Megatron and uh, Transformers. And I'm still kind of pissed they didn't use him as the voice of Megatron in the Transformers uh, live-action movies. Oh, uh, yeah, but uh, if you hear him, he's actually the voice of Megatron in the, the movie-based video games. And mm -hmm. He's currently voicing Megatron on Transformers Prime, which airs on The Hub. And his voice is a little different, but he's still good. He doesn't, he doesn't quite have uh, Mr. Uh, what's the name of the guy who voiced him in the new movie? He was in The Matrix, whatever. He doesn't yeah. quite have the intelligence to it. If you watch the old cartoons, he's just kind of like a, a screaming madman, but he's still good and he's still threatening, I think. Yeah, no, the, the new person that does it in, the, in those movies, um, it's a fine voice, but I, I just associate Megatron with that scratchy quality. And yeah, indeed. 
So, um, but Ninja but Turtles. Do... Oh, go on. Sorry, he did reprise Soundwave for Revenge of the Fallen, so... For, yeah, one least... line of dialogue, and, uh... Yeah. yeah, what do you think about Ninja Turtles 3? That comes out next year, in 2012, I think? Ninja Turtles 3 comes out next year? I believe so. Wait, um... Oh, oh you're talking about the next live-action movie? Yes, I'm sorry, yep. Oh, okay. I, mean, sorry, I said yeah. Transformers, okay. not Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, Transformers 3, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and that's actually coming out uh, this summer, isn't it? Oh, is it? I'm sorry. I think you're right. Oh, yeah. They've yeah, come out with those so quickly. Movie. You're right. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're every other year, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, re- I genuinely believe that the first Transformers film was a good action film. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Fallen was not. And so now I just don't know what to expect of this one. Will it be more like the first one or more like the second one? You know, from the trailer for Transformers 3, they almost go for a more uh, post-apocalyptic tone. Oh, yeah, they're going to have a, the whole, like, deception robots in disguise thing is over with as of the second movie, so it's going to be, you know, robots just tearing everybody apart, and they're going to be everywhere. It's just going to be maybe kind of a special effects overload. But, uh, you know, it's Michael Bay. What can you expect? Everything's going to explode anyway. He makes explosions look real nice. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'll give him that. That's his, that's his talent. Are they still developing a new live-action Ninja Turtles movie? Uh, yes, they are actually. Um, who knows how well it's doing right now? It's uh, the, that thing's been in production hell for a long time. But the the longstanding uh, idea is that it's going to be live action. It's not going to be like uh, the 2007 Imagi film that was all CG. Right. And it's going to have actors in suits again, but they're going to do what they did with where the wild things are, where they use computers to enhance the uh, facial features and some of the movements. So it's live action, but it's computer enhanced, so it looks more realistic which could turn out pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like, John Woo was trying to get uh, a live-action Ninja Turtles movie off the ground. John Woo was just trying to get work anywhere he can get. You know, John Woo did a movie recently that's pretty good um, called Red Cliff. And Red the, Cliff? I haven't seen that one. Uh, the Chinese version is five hours. I think the American one is, like, is like two hours. Like, it's, it, was, it was two different movies in China. But um, it, it takes a Chinese... Um, I don't know how historical it is, but a story called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And that was sort of the basis for the Dynasty Warriors uh, video game. But it kind of oh, really? it kind of tells that story like as a big epic. And um, That could be good. I mean, the last John Woo film I, I saw, I'll admit, was uh, Mission Impossible 2. Yeah, oh, that, okay. You know, the, that's sort of a sore spot with me still. Yep. And they're making a fourth Mission Impossible, apparently. Uh, so, I've been filming that recently. So, back to Ninja Turtles 2. Uh, the poster says, Back by Bodacious Demand. One thing about the... Demand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the movie poster is kind of cool. You have the Ninja Turtles around some of the ooze. And in the background, you have the uh, shadow of Toka and Razor. And in the poster, I'm always struck by Donatello has almost his whole fist in his mouth. <laughs> As, uh, Mikey isn't even looking at the canister. He's kind of like holding his nunchucks out for no reason. Like, like, hey, look at these nunchucks. They're not going to be in the movie. And it looks like Michelangelo. Yeah, it looks like he's like giving a googly eyes to one of the other Ninja Turtles. I don't know. Yeah, right? I, I don't think what he's thinking of. Who's like, down there, buddy? Come on. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's. I, I think the plot for this movie was okay. They could have done something with it. I don't know. 
Had they introduced some of the science fiction elements from the comic, I don't know if that would have been too convoluted to fit into one movie. Yeah, I mean, well, like, like I said, I'm actually pretty good because I, I, re- I review all these different comics. I'm pretty good at switching gears between, you know, the really kiddie stuff, the really dark and mature stuff, the middle ground stuff. So what, if I look at TMNT2, Secret of the Use, as its own unique, isolated thing, it's actually pretty enjoyable, but it's got a lot of wasted potential, things that could have been better. I mean, they had the Jen Henson Creature Shop, for crying out loud. They could have done so much more with that, but they kind of just stepped back to make it as inoffensive as possible, and it takes away from the film in a way. And yet, as you mentioned before, the uh, the Jim Henson uh, workshop work they did on the costumes and the faces and everything is all very good. And and you compare what's in here to what's in the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three movie, Ooh. it's a world of difference. Like, yeah, yeah, the all effects group did that one. And I have mm. no idea what else they've done. Hopefully, nothing. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it, was, it was just an ugly mess. So even though the the plot might not all be there. If you enjoy Ninja Turtles or kind of like the uh, the old cartoon from the 80s and 90s, I think you might get a kick out of this movie. It, as an adult, it's not an easy thing to to watch, but if you were telling a kid to watch a movie, I might give him this over the first one. Yeah, definitely. It's it's certainly more of a kid's movie. And even if, you know, if you're capable of, you know, being a little nostalgic, then you might enjoy it. And it's just a fun kid's movie for what it is. You uh, talked earlier how you've been reviewing a lot of the uh, comics for your website, TMNT Entity. Uh, is there a specific run of the comics that you have as a favorite? Or uh, Yeah, definitely. I'd say my, my three favorite issues are the story arc called uh, Return to New York, which was uh, the volume one of the original uh, Mirage series, 19, 20, and 21 which uh, hasn't been collected in trade paperback in decades, so, you know, don't go to the bookshop looking for it, anybody. But it's uh, very good. It um, takes place after the Shredder exiles the Turtles to Northampton, like in the first movie, and they return to New York with a vengeance to uh, kill the Shredder, basically. And it's it's a very good run. It was drawn by uh, Jim Lawson, a talented artist who's kind of Peter Laird and Mirage's go-to guy, and it was co-plotted by uh, Easton and Laird, and it's just a very, very exciting, tense, and very violent storyline, which ends with uh, the Shredder's real death that stuck in the comics forever. He still hasn't come back. So uh, on your website, TMNT Entity, you have a pretty detailed uh, chronology of the comics. I've been trying to read some of the old comics, and especially when you look at the uh, Tales of the uh, Ninja Turtles comics, where it's these uh, random short comics, it's very confusing. How did you try and determine what goes in what order, or the best you could figure out, anyway? I sat down, and I read everything, hmm. and then I was like, okay, this goes in here, this goes in there. And I had to get some help from uh, the online group. I can't uh, I can't understate their help from the Technodrome forums, and some, some great people there, Andrew Modine, Adam Winter, some great people who uh, helped me out, uh, big turtle fans as big as I am. And there was a big project that lasted a couple years actually as you can tell it's a lot of material to go through but it was fun you know research project i i didn't get paid for but i had fun doing it but you mentioned at one point it was supposed to go into a book that didn't uh, go through oh yes um tristan jones who was doing um freelance work for mirage at the time writing some really great issues of tales of tmnt volume two 
Um, he contacted me, and he uh, helped me streamline the timeline a bit for a Mirage Universe source book, which uh, after they layered sold the uh, rights to Viacom, they had to cancel all their uh, team indie comic projects, and unfortunately that one got canceled as well. But eh, now it's available for free online. So Sure. Um, and it's a really great list, by the way. I recommend uh, listeners uh, check it out. And uh, I look at the... Um the Ninja Turtles, and I'm really surprised Peter Laird held on to the rights as long as he did, because he must have gotten offers before, um, oh, yeah. you know, when he bought uh, out yeah. Kevin Eastman's uh, part. Uh, he tells a great story um, he, on his blog, uh, Peter Laird's blog, um, about how Marvel tried to wine and dine them into mm. selling uh, Ninja Turtles to him. This was a long time ago, too. I, I'm not sure in the timeline out of the 80s or 90s, and the Turtles were still fairly new and fairly hot. And in you know Marvel fashion, they were trying to uh, say, "Oh yeah, you guys can write and create and plot, but we'll own them." So mm. that didn't quite go over. You know, they're they're huge fans of uh, Jack Kirby, so they know how Marvel tends to treat their creators, no matter how much they love them. Uh, eventually, everybody everybody goes, and the characters stay with them. So I'm actually very very impressed they stuck with their guns. And Kevin Eastman uh, eventually sold the creative rights. To Peter Laird, so that he'd because uh, someone he could trust to, you know, watch the turtles while he worked on heavy metal, and we got a whole lot of great comics out of those guys. I can't thank them enough. Yeah, the one thing I'm hoping from the the Viacom thing is you go to the comic store and you look; they have a lot of, or even the bookstore, they have a lot of graphic novels. And lately, I've noticed um, this isn't Mirage or anything, but. Like the old Spawn comic books, they've been releasing in graphic novel form, like re-released. And maybe oh, yeah, right. maybe with the Viacom thing, I don't know if they want to touch this, but if they could release some of the old Ninja Turtles comics, you know, either as a would... either as a hardback graphic novel or, or something, I think they'd certainly sell. I think the audience is still oh, yeah. out there. I mean, the reason we never got those like back in the day was because Mirage was a smaller company, and big chain bookstores like Borders and Barnes and Noble they have policies about returning unsold copies and certain quantities, and Mirage just couldn't fill that, so they had to be a direct market company. If Viacom licenses the brand out to Dark Horse or IDW, you'll be seeing Turtle reprints in uh, mainstream bookstores, and the availability will increase. So I think that's definitely a good thing that could come from the buyout, so as long as they actually license the brand out to comic companies. Yeah, and something I saw recently that really surprised me... uh... On the Wii, they have a thing on there called Virtual Console, where you can buy old Nintendo games and play them on your TV. And even with all the licensing crap, they got it so you can purchase the uh, the original Ninja Turtles game for the Nintendo Entertainment System and play that on the Wii. Now, that's not a great game. No, the uh, the underwater level. I don't yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there's all these poisonous uh, uh, yeah, things no, in the I ocean and you like... die in one hit. Uh, you want to make a seven-year-old play that game? That's like doing math. <laughs> sure. I, uh, you know, in fact, I had some extra Nintendo points left over and downloaded that the other day and was playing that on my Wii on the TV. And uh, I couldn't even get to the part where you go underwater. I was that bad at the game now. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, if, uh, I think if Konami found the formula with TMNT Arcade, their second one, which is a superb game, and on the NES, TMNT3, the Manhattan Project, is one game my brother still play on our NES that still works every now and then. And there's some great games once they figure out you know, how to make a turtle game work. 
The other Manhattan Project actually ties in a bit to uh, Ninja Turtles uh, 2 Secret of the Ooze, because Super Shredder is the last boss, and Toka and Razor are in that game. And they are all so much cooler in that game than they are in the movie. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, so uh, even though that's a pretty late-period Nintendo game, I think Super Nintendo was out by the time uh, Ninja Turtles oh, yeah, 3, yeah. the Manhattan Project, came out. But it it's real perfection of that formula. Everyone has unique special moves. You can toss people over the back of your head. Uh, with your weapon, it's uh, it's good. It's just a very fun game, yeah. And uh, Tournament Fighters came out, which was a real solid fighting game in the uh, Street Fighter vein. Yep. And, yep, just a whole lot of great games. That's probably one of the things Ninja Turtles, besides the movies and the cartoons, are most well-known for among people from the 90s. Good game. There was also a tabletop uh, role-playing game. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Palladium Book game. That, that one was interesting because it came out between the uh, when the comic was first published in 1984 and when the cartoon came out in 1987. So it came out in that time period when Ninja Turtles were really obscure and not many people knew about it, and it was very much an adult comic book and a very much an adult niche property. And so those, those I don't RPG personally, but I, I've read those things, and I wrote an article about them, overviewing them. And it's very interesting, and uh, it's a very weird little short span of time in turtle history every time i've tried to play a game with friends like uh, dungeons and dragons or some tabletop game it only lasts one or two times and it like devolves into people fighting and screaming at each other so <laughs> it's it, like a kid's at the playground exactly right? it's really something where you really got to find that that right group and, and more importantly people that can meet up consistently which is something that's very difficult as time goes on uh so, Mark, do you have any last thoughts on uh, Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, you can get it for, uh, like, seven ninety nine on DVD, <laughs> uh, but I had recommend just waiting for it to come on cable. <laughs> right, like, I, um, I actually have a, a PlayStation 3, so it's also a Blu-ray player, but the price on the Blu-ray box set of the, uh, the four Ninja Turtles movies is outrageous. It's like $60. It's uh, yeah. For, it comes with like it comes with a tattoos and like a little bandana thing. I think the packaging yeah. even looks like a pizza box. Like that's kind of clever. But what I ended up doing because uh, I'll rent these movies for the sequel cast, but sometimes that's difficult to do with the timing. So I went to Best Buy and for ten dollars I got uh, a DVD set with uh, the all four Ninja Turtles movies on there. But they're on two yeah. DVDs and you got to flip the disc for some of the films. Oh uh, yeah, right. Well, I mean, these things aren't going to look any better on Blu-ray. No, anyway. no. You might as well just get the cheapest version. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, as for me, for Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, um, I kind of feel about it the same way I do as Ghostbusters 2, where mm. it's not as dark or interesting as the original, but if I'm showing it to a, a child, not that I have any kids, um, <laughs> or to a cousin or something, I, I would show it to them. I, I think, as an adult, it's tough to go back to, but... If you watch maybe an episode of the uh, Fred Wolf uh, cartoon before watching this, it might go down a bit easier. Yeah, it's very much um, the Fred Wolf Turtles, and if you can uh, if you can make that leap, if you're not a comic fan, then you know what? It's a great kids movie. I'll give it that. It's got a lot of great monsters, even if they kind of suck. And you know what? Just have fun. Right. Well, Mark, uh, thank you very much for coming on the sequel cast. Do you have anything, any last thing you want to say about uh, your site, TMNT Entity? at tmntentity.blogspot.com. Uh, yeah, if, um, if people visit it, I'll update it more. I usually try to get in three or four reviews a week. And if you like Ninja Turtles, if you're interested in 
opinions on Ninja Turtles or timelines on Ninja Turtles or articles on Ninja Turtles. You know what? I've I've got a little bit of everything. I've spent way too much money on it. What's the strangest piece of a merchandise you've seen related to Ninja Turtles? It can be a toy or a toilet paper. I don't know. Well, when I was a kid, I had official uh, Ninja Turtle bath soap, but I, I still think the uh, <laughs> the winner goes to the turtle pies. Those the turtle pies. Just, those are sure they, they can't be equaled in just horribleness. And it's not like pudding is something kids like anyway. I mean, what kid wants pudding? I mean, they eat gogurt. I guess that's kind of like pudding, but oh. you know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what's worth worse: uh, those pies, or uh, when I had um, Steve Barron, the director of the first film, on for uh, last week's episode on the first Ninja Turtles movie. He talks about at the time that one came out, Domino's Pizza had a sort of uh, dessert pizza that was like M and M's on top. Oh God! Yeah, and, I and, those. And at the time, oh. that was really out there, really crazy. But you look now, both Domino's and Pizza Hut have, like, apple pie pizza or Hershey's chocolate uh, pizza. I don't even know if you can even call that pizza or, you know, like, cinnamon breadsticks. It's, it's basically like a cake. It's just a circular yeah. cake. And I, I don't – it's like straight-up diabetes. It's way too sugary <laughs> and sweet. So we'll have to see when the new Ninja Turtles uh, show comes out on uh, Nickelodeon next year if they're going to do some kind of pizza chain tie-in. I mean, that seems inevitable. They'll tie yeah. in anything, and, you know, someone has a, they love pizza. If you remember the Team into Arcade game, there's a scene where you walk down an alley, and there's three big signs that say Pizza Hut on them, and then foot soldiers drop out from behind them. I you remember know, when, I, when I was a kid in elementary school, you had a thing uh, sponsored by Pizza Hut. This was so evil, where if you, read, if you read in your free time, you'd keep track of it in a journal, and, and you fill out enough of the journal, you'd get a coupon for a free Pizza Hut personal pan pizza pizza and uh wow. it's supposed to inspire kids to read but you really you could just lie about what you read and get a coupon for a free pizza yeah so uh i mean i love pizza when i was a kid when the old saban x-men cartoon was out and they had their big x-men promotion they had a birthday party at pizza Hut. that was that was the place to go when i was a kid mm. so can't narcan them too much so that's better than the ball pit at mcdonald's I think Pizza Hut's safer. I'll pay to your McDonald's. Oh, my God. How, <laughs> how many diseases do you have? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm I'm lucky, but I just... Yeah, they're not uh, very clean places. And I guess uh, I, uh, after living in Virginia, I lived in Georgia for several years. And uh, down there, you had a lot more of those ball pit things. And um, <laughs> they're not kept sanitary. Let me just put it that way. So uh, one last question, then I'll let you go. Uh, what's your favorite pizza topping? Uh, my favorite... Topping uh, singular or topping plural? Because my favorite pizza pie is uh If you could have anything on your onions. favorite pizza pie, what would it be? Uh, pepperoni, onions, and black olives. You know, mm. the heartburn disaster. Sure. As for me, and I said this earlier, uh, anchovies I like a lot. So Anchovies. Um, that's the one thing the turtles don't eat. What's wrong with you? I, I, I didn't have anchovy on pizza for years. And then I one time I, a friend of mine got it because he said, oh, it's actually pretty good. And I like it, but I like sushi. I like all sorts of strange things. Oh yeah. So, um, so anyway, well, uh, no bones in it. Yeah. No, exactly. Bones would be bad. Uh, Mark, uh, thanks again for coming on the sequel cast. You can check out uh, Mark's website, TMNT Entity, at tmntentity dot blogspot dot com. You can check out past episodes of the sequel cast at sequelcast dot com. So uh, this is um, okay. Let's figure out what are we going to say to close out the show. So I can go. This is Uncle Milkshake. You go. This is Mark. 
saying, and then what are we going to try to say at the same time? Turtle power. Turtle power. That sounds good. So this is Uncle Milkshake. And this is Mark. Saying, Turtle, Turtle power. power. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, All right. Bye. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com